Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We hope that you all had a very Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, this is our in-between show before the new year. Um, we'll start off with show notes today. So we've sure. got our Evening with Medium events coming up in 2020. They are on April 24th, August 28th, and December 4th. Tickets are on sale at the website by sarlow.com, so nab those before they're gone. You know, Kelly... We should take a pause here to say to people who don't follow Christmas and have other traditions mm. that we don't necessarily know what to say that's appropriate, but that we hope that you're enjoying the season, your season, your, your celebrations and what you choose to participate in. Yes. How's that? Yep. Okay. Go ahead. I finished my first part. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Um, we have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It's available at our website by sarlo.com. It is a series of five mini shows that run the first week of each month. We choose topics to help you grow your emotional or spiritual intelligence. You can share those shows with coworkers. You can use them in family situations, friendships, with your neighbor situations, it's teaching you how to deal with confrontation, problem solving, all kinds of things. So anyway, the very first show is on the website by sarlo.com for free. The remaining four that go with that in each series is found at patreon.com slash by Sarlo. And Kelly has put up a nice little video um, explaining to you how to kind of get to Patreon and get started so that you can join that if you would choose to. Mm -hmm. And if people do have questions or are still struggling, they can always message us. Oh, yes, and they do. And we walk you right through it if you need help, okay? Good. So we also have gift certificates and personal sessions available. Um, those can be experienced and purchased from anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, telephone, or Zoom. Um, and I wanted to say, or we wanted to say thank you. If you're just listening today by audio, mm -hmm. um, we're so excited that you're still interested or maybe interested yeah. for the first time in what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. and if you're joining us by video on Patreon, thank you so very much for all your support. Um, this is something that we've been really excited to do to generate more content for everyone. Um, so we're pumping things out almost, you know, mm -hmm. every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you guys can stay connected to us, but also to the people in your lives. Mm-hmm. Good? Yeah, I'm All ready right. to go. Go. Okay. Gee, that was a big shift to get seated in my chair, wasn't it? Yep. Well, dramatic there, Mom. <laughs> it was. I think I caught my foot on the bottom of the chair a little bit. And I'm going to be grateful right now that I didn't go sideways. <laughs> So what I mean for a good blooper, though. So even though that was a little bit of a cluster, <laughs> I'm still sitting. I feel pretty pretty good right now. Okay, this is a client story, and I think I like to preface the beginning of all shows so that maybe people are taking bets at home. Is this going to be a client story? Is this going to be a Karen and Kelly? Is this going to be? You know what? I think their bet is probably on, is it actually going to be a feel good story? Because you promised them feel good stories in Gosh. December. Well, okay. I think this is an extraordinary feel good story, but as in some feel good stories, it's hard first there. Yes. You have to go through a process and I really do believe that if people hear that over and over again, which is maybe why they listen to the shows, mm. um, that you can understand why you listen to Sips of Sanity and get emotional intelligence and spiritual growth. And that 
some of the stuff that we're hearing in the media and books that are being written are false. And they're, they're not, they're just flatly not accurate. And some of them are just incomplete. So you have little pieces of things and then your life doesn't turn out and then you get frustrated and and angry at yourself. You don't actually get mad at that person (laughs) that, that gave you misinformation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this one here is about a woman who came in. Now, Kelly, she has been a client for, I'm going to say a good full year coming in, I'd say once a month and committed to that. At the very beginning, I had no idea the first time she came to see me that this was going to be a year long process. I bet you she didn't either. Mm, Maybe. I don't don't think most people come for the first time and think I'm going to commit to seeing a psychic every month Mm -hmm. for the purpose of growth. I think people come for like a one and done because yeah. they don't really know what it is. Yeah. Or they think, I'm, I don't, exactly that. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to go try. Or they've seen other ones that really are one-shot deals. Yeah, and I think too, like, if mm-hmm. you don't know what we do in particular, people don't think, I'll go see a psychic to heal. I'll go see a psychic to feel emotionally more stable. Right. A lot of people seek them just to get answers to things, sometimes very important questions, but yeah. also sometimes very frivolous questions. Yeah. Right? Yes. And and I do see for a great majority of clients that the reason that they book the appointments is somehow to get an answer so that their anxiety is less. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get given that answer, but they also are given tools. And that's exactly what I was going to say is that I don't think people come to a psychic thinking they're going to get tools. Yeah. I think they think they're getting answers. Well, I wonder if that explains sometimes why people are mad after their session. Yeah. They're like, I didn't come here for homework. I didn't come here to get told. Right? (laughs) People get very mad at us. Yeah. It's, oh, holy shit. Yes. Okay. So I I see, I recognize, and I appreciate your broad shoulders. (laughs) Hey, nice scarf. Thank you. It was a Christmas gift last year. Oh, I like that. I've been YouTubing how to wear it. Oh, I did that last Christmas after I got scarves. (laughs) Okay, so let's get to the story. So this woman is in her 60s. I'd say late 60s. Can we call her Meredith? Yeah, sure. Great. Are we calling her Meredith or Mare? Whichever. Okay. So, okay. So Meredith is in her late 60s. She books her first appointment and sits down in the chair and says, do you think that you could do medium? And I said, absolutely, I can. It's a husband that's passed. Is that correct? And I usually don't say that. I usually say, who do you want? So that we can get exactly who they want and go through a list in case there's four or five people and get it. I'll say, get it done. Meet their needs. And she said, yes, it's a husband. Uh, my, My husband has passed. And I said, well, actually, I said, you have a couple of husbands and he has several wives. And she goes, she just sort of gives me this look like I wasn't expecting you to know that or say that. And she says, but that is very true. And I said, well, he was further along in partners than you. I think she was his fourth wife and he was her second husband. So she said, yep, yeah. she says that's correct. And and she was not a I'm here for proof person. Mm-hmm. This wasn't Karen's being tested moment or session. 
this was I'm here to meet my needs session, which I think is really cool. Um, because the focus then really is on meeting that person's needs and we're both focusing on it instead of just me <laughs> or, or just you. Mm-hmm. And the client is focusing on testing us. It, it, yeah. So anyway, I, I said to her, what do you want me to do? And she says, I'd like you just to start and tell me what he might want to say to me. And I said, okay. So I asked him and he said, oh my goodness, Karen, I don't even know where to begin. But I can start by saying that we, that, that I owned a business with all four wives, but it was my business and I kept it in all of those relationships. Okay. And so when he passes, they co-own the business. So Meredith, and I'll call him Dan. So Meredith and Dan own this, this place and it's very successful. It's very big. Um, How did you not pick Derek? Oh, <laughs> you're in Grey's Anatomy. How wasn't that just the most natural name to pick for a man? <laughs> do you want me to change it? I it's, do. It's the beginning of the story. <laughs> okay, Meredith and Dan. Mm-hmm. No, Meredith and, and Derek. Derek. <laughs> oh my God, you're funny. Okay. And if people are listening to this and going, what the hell are those two doing? Having fun. Fuck off. <laughs> Yes, but also I was going to say, um, we changed the names of our clients to protect their identity, (laughs) but sure, we'll go with that one. (laughs) Okay, you're raunchy this morning. (laughs) Okay, so he says, well, we we had a really successful business. I ran it, and I ran it in all four of my relationships. But because I had four different relationships, I never let the women in my life who were my partners ever partner me in the business. So I, I ran I ran it entirely. They knew nothing about it. So was it just like an on paper thing for like financial yes, reasons? That's right. Oh. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I explained this to her. She says that's correct. Continue along that lines, Karen. And I'm like, oh, okay. So she's giving me a little bit of direction to stay in that area. So I said, well, I said, you do have an employee that's been there for, I'll say several of these wives. And he's extremely knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. And unknowns to you, um, he was actually running the business. Mm, Unknowns to Mayor. Unknowns to Mayor. And I said, so Derek is going to work, but he's not actually running it. He's going and having coffee. He's socializing. Mm. He is putting in a day, I'll say his days at work, uh, meaning that he's gone for his hours, but he's not doing a whole lot of running the business anymore. And I'd say he's around 70 years old. So his employee, we'll call him Ben. Oh, wait a minute. Well done. Yes. That's a Gray's character. Okay. So I'm on board. (laughs) Okay. So Ben is, I'd say in his early sixties and he's been with him for a long time. So he's doing the bookkeeping, the ordering, managing the staff. He's doing everything. Mm -hmm. And right to the point where if Derek wants to uh, fire an employee, Ben says no, and it just doesn't get done. Hmm. So there's not just, I'm going to help you run your company. This is He's seeing it that he owns this company and he now knows 
that Derek has been sick for a while and Meredith doesn't know. So he's, he's sick. He has cancer. And he's not saying anything to his wife and he's going to work. He's not telling anybody. He's in denial. He's just doing his thing. But he, he's told Ben because Ben has confronted him mm-hmm. and said, you're not yourself. What's going on? I run this place and I need to know. So he says that he has cancer and that it's terminal. And so Ben is like, huh, then this is going to be mine. This business is mine. Very, like very naturally. Oh, yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of inventory. There are many buildings. There are properties. Like, it's really extensive. And um, Meredith has no idea any of these things are transpiring. So eventually, Derek starts to show illness. He starts to show that he can't function. And she starts to bug him about going to the doctor. And he avoids telling her he's already been. Mm-hmm. He's already done the test. He's already got his CAT scan and and so on. He already knows what's going on. He just doesn't say anything to her. So she thinks, what's going on? Like, wh- why aren't you going to a doctor? So she goes all into her worrying. She goes into trying to fix. She keeps telling him how much she loves him. And he goes, yeah, I love you too. But he doesn't tell her any of the truths. He doesn't tell her that Ben knows this. So then Ben sees her at the business from time to time. He's very nice to her. Um, But he figures out that she doesn't know. He just sort of fishes a little bit. He knows. So he knows how to fish. She doesn't bite. So he goes, she doesn't know. Derek is sick. So it gives him even more power than to believe, well, he trusts me. It, it, he like I don't even really know how to explain all of this because I can't get in the mind of a person that does something like that. And I mean Ben, but I also mean Derek. Really? Yeah, I don't oh, understand all I of it. I totally appreciate Ben's perspective. Not that he deserves or has a right to it, but if you're stepping in day to day, literally running the business, and you find out that, like you said, he's been there through multiple wives but he's been Derek's constant. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very natural assumption, although a very big one, um, that a company would be handed down to, to the best person who could, you know, keep it running. And that's been him. Okay. That's fair. I think, I think again, not that it's not that anyone is deserving of that or is owed those things because, you know, we have beneficiaries for a reason, Yeah, but He's put his whole life's work into this. I get what you're saying. I understand it. I'm going to take that back. I My head goes to a place of legalities. It goes to lawyers. Yeah, of course. It goes, yeah. That's, I, and I also would have thought if Ben is nice to Meredith through the years, that he maybe assumed that she was on board for that too. Mm-hmm. That if he's doing a good job and he's got her husband's back, that of course she would trust him to keep running things and it would be a very easy handoff. Yeah, that's all fair. Thank you. I just know the whole story. That's yeah. <laughs> but okay. I but I understand that as a listener, you're providing listeners with that that perspective that they may be sitting in with you in your seat instead of in mine. Okay. So that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is how this starts and I'm explaining all of this to her and she's really listening and I'm I look over at her And there are times when she's like drawing her eyes and I'm thinking she's grieving Derek 
And I said, are you okay? And she goes, well, I'm getting my answers. And I, she says, do you want me to explain yet? And I said, no. I said, I would rather give you all of the information that I'm getting and you letting me know if it's accurate or not. And that, and please tell me when it's not so that I can stop and ask for clarity or stop your session, do whatever it is that you need from me, because this is about her, her needs. So she says, no, you continue. Everything is good. And it's helping me understand things. So I begin by saying all of these things about how Ben is running the business and that her husband is not. And I find out later that she didn't know any of these things. So then she was able to understand exactly what you just said Mm -hmm. as to why Ben later when her husband passes steps, just steps in and really believes it's his business, but is willing to do it at the cost of like pushing her out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in the sense of that, this should be gifted to me. I shouldn't have to buy it. I've earned it. Um, I'm not paying you for it. It's mine. Don't cross on my property. Oh, that's what I'm, that's why I'm saying he really feels that it's his business. So he doesn't feel that there is like that she is his partner because, mm-hmm. and the, or that she is the next owner. Gross. <laughs> that, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. So Ben, Ben treats her when her husband passes. No, I'm skipping st- parts in the story here because of our conversation. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting when I wrote it out. So I am going to go back and forth a bit, but um, this is one of the things that she's come to see me about. So, I'll, and I'm going to say, this is going to flip-flop a little bit, but she's come because she wants to know how Derek is going to tell her to handle Ben. Because she literally does not know what to do with the situation. Fair. But when she sits down and I'm explaining the situation, that's when she says to me, now I understand. Mm-hmm. And her spirit guides say, you need a lawyer, not Derek. You do not need a dead man. Mm-hmm. He was not handling it for years. Mm-hmm. Ben believes what he does because of Derek's behaviors. Totally. You uh, you would walk into work every day seeing the boss, I'll say, let you do everything, meaning, wow, they trust me. Mm-hmm. Wow, they've given me so much authority, mm-hmm. right? It would just, oh, poor Ben, but then not. Well, because Ben doesn't think I will buy her out. That's the part I don't. Yeah, I'm not okay he with, thinks. But. Well, then again, see, this is where somebody else might believe Ben too, though, in the sense that he's worked there for like thirty years. He feels he's earned it, but he's been paid. That's he earned correct. His pay. That's right. You buy into a business. That's right, and that's where her the, her spirit guides said these things to her. No, you need to see a lawyer yeah. because he got paid a salary as that manager. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deserve the business for free, and Derek isn't your person because he freaking tell you to give it to him. Derek is the last person you should be asking. Mm-hmm. Go to a lawyer. So her spirit guides were coming in and going, uh, Derek, you can stand over there. We're going to talk yeah, to your wife. Derek, you've done enough and, by and, doing fuck all. Yes. And that, that comes in later into this story mm-hmm. where when Derek gets more introduced currently, he comes through to apologize, but let's back that up. 
So I said, well, I said, um, so Ben feels that this is his business. He feels he's earned it. And he certainly has earned his paychecks, but he hasn't earned being the owner. And you and Derek were the owners. And now you are the full owner of this business. So there is no preparation to be an entrepreneur. No preparation. And she's close to 70. Did she have her own career? No. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the sense of she did not work outside of her home. I want to be careful how I word that because there are many people who have stayed home and had home businesses. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Like there, like there, I mean, there's so many, I mean, everybody listening now knows there's such a variety of why we ask these questions Mm -hmm. and how we respond. So I said to her, I'm being told that you have no bookkeeping, no business sense, um, but also that you stayed at home and, and took care of families in your first marriage. In your second marriage, you, you were a couple, but that you didn't have outside sources or jobs in or out of the home. And she goes, that's correct. She says, I have been a housewife. So that was her response. That was her her response to this. I worked in my home for my family. And then it was my second partner with Derek. We were both older. I didn't didn't think to go out and find a job in my 50s, which is fine. Other people listening might go, well, I should, I sure shit had yeah, to. Yeah, you didn't need to then. And she did not need to. He, she was not encouraged to. Um, he just said, if you don't want to, you don't need to. I can provide. Just do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's how she chose to live her life. So now at the age of, I think it's like 68, she owns a business. <laughs> a big business with many locations, huge inventory. Um Piles of employees, managers, directors, like it's massive. And she didn't die of anxiety. <laughs> she's, she's still alive. She's still alive and she's still the owner. <laughs> so she, she got told that she needed to find somebody through like an accounting firm mm-hmm. to be able to come in and help her. Uh, manage the business she needed to hire somebody to step in Mm -hmm. so that she didn't feel that she needed to do that but that she needed to pay somebody to do what Ben was doing because I mean in the last few years Derek was not so let's go to Derek so then I said to Derek well what about you and he goes well he says um Meredith took care of me so once I finally got sick enough and ended up in bed and couldn't get out of bed one morning, I had to tell her that I was sick. So this is how she finds out. He doesn't even say, oh, and I have cancer and I've had it for the last year. He doesn't tell her that. He just simply says he's sick. So she starts to care for him, but she doesn't even know what's wrong. Which just blows my mind. But I I really can... Isn't that like a mind-blowing aspect of the people pleaser? I will care for you not knowing what's wrong and think that I'm going to provide for your needs. Oh, yes. And this so got addressed in her session that, oh, it got addressed in every session out of the entire 12 months that she came. We worked 
seriously mm-hmm. on her people pleasing, meaning that she got tools and resources, but we also used past life experiences. We used past traumas in this lifetime, relationships, like all of the different things that you and I do, soul contracts. We had to use the whole, <laughs> the whole menu. Mm-hmm. We ate everything on the menu. <laughs> Let's word it that way. Yeah. Because we had to go into patterns, soul contracts. We had to go into everything so that she could really get to the bottom to understand why she thought this was okay. Why she didn't go to a doctor's appointment or confront him. And I said, you didn't even really confront him for the first six or seven months about why he was bedridden all of a sudden and wouldn't go to a doctor, wouldn't go to emerge, wouldn't do anything, wouldn't accept home care coming in. He put the entire care for him on her shoulders. And when it was too late. Yes. Without her understanding it, without her having anybody be allowed to come in to assist her. Nobody. I'm even more glad that I asked you to make his name Derek because I thought Derek was a dick. (laughs) I did too. And now I think this guy's a dick. (laughs) Well, and she started her first session saying how much she loved her husband, what a beautiful marriage they had, what a beautiful man Derek was. And the spirit guide said to me on the very first day, he was not. Here he is. He can can tell you. And Derek came in as... uh, on the very first day and said, I was an ass. I withheld. I avoided. I verbally abused her. I I was a jerk. And all I could hear from her was, I was married to the nicest man on earth. It's so shitty what death does, eh? Like it just paints this little picture of like, oh, I miss my husband so much or my wife or whoever. And it's like these rose colored glasses of a person that wasn't there. Verbally abused her, emotionally abused her. And because she was buried so deep into the people pleasing, she couldn't see anything like that. And also what he did, and she that she also agreed to, was that they isolated themselves. Mm-hmm. So he had his career, and that's where he had all his social needs met, financial needs. He was in full control over that. And then came home and she was there and he had full control over her in that environment. And because she would people please so much, she didn't question the constant increase in intensity of control. These things are said to her. It's it's pointed out like right to her that her people pleasing wove beautifully with his need for control. And with his need, desire, behaviors, patterns to withhold. That it was like a perfect partnership. It's why she thought things were perfect. It was okay for her to do her own avoiding. Because it suited his purpose to have her not know. Isn't that interesting? It's messed. Mm-hmm. And... and I'll say she thinks it's a good marriage until we sit down and we start talking about it. And she starts to realize and and say things to me like, well, but that's where I'm having problems doing this now. So because he's gone, 
She feels her isolation. So she doesn't even know how to go about making a doctor's appointment or a uh, lawyer's appointment or want to see an accountant. She doesn't want all of this responsibility. Can you imagine this company running with no owner? And Ben being removed because of his behavior? So now you have all of these people and their livelihoods dependent on this person who has been avoiding and whose partner did not prepare her for anything in spite of the fact that he knew this was coming. This was not a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and remember the guides saying to her, and he said to her at one point, Meredith, this wasn't a heart attack. I could have done this. I had time to realize it. And I did the exact opposite. I continued to do what I wanted for me. That's not loving you. And she would just sit there and look at me and go, hmm? This is why people leave angry. Mm -hmm. When people are like blackout rage or have blackout rage feelings towards us because we sit there and tell them that their partner didn't love them. Even though their partner might say, I love you every single day. Yeah. And it takes such a willingness to listen and actually hear not just the information, but the examples that we give to understand what love actually isn't. But unless people are willing to hear it, Meredith could have left furious and never come back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think too, we, we can base our idea of what love is on our actions towards another person. So she might have thought, no, I, I took care of my husband. I was the one he chose to be his caretaker. He loved me. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, he could control you if you were the only caretaker. Right to that degree. And, and he even discussed that with her in one session about the end of his life and how she had zero help for 24-hour care. So she literally slept on the floor in the room. Mm -hmm. That's awful. To care for him because there was no bed. She couldn't get a bed into the room. She couldn't get a mattress in on her own. So she just literally laid on the floor because he said that her presence in the bed bothered him. Which may be true, but it may be true that he was going to be in discomfort regardless. Mm -hmm. And so somebody listening to this might say, well, didn't a nurse come in? Yep. There were, there was some level of, of I'll say minor help, but he refused everything. So if a nurse is going to come in to bathe him, no, my wife can bathe me. No, everything that they could refuse or he could refuse, he did. And she allowed So she never turned around and said to the nursing staff, no, you can stay and bathe him. I'm going out for tea. Mm. I don't give a shit if he likes it or doesn't. Her people pleasing was at that level. Mm -hmm. That if he said the nurses won't feed me, my wife will feed me three meals or six meals or whatever it is, or she will do the catheter, you will not. She had to learn to do the catheter. So, or, or she chose to. She chose to comply. And so he gave these little examples of, oh my God, Karen, I even made my wife um, learn to do a catheter when I had nurses that could have done it. I I, I made her do it. 
I, I could have had nurses that could have sat in the room with me. And, and instead, I made my wife sit in the room and sleep on the floor. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't just for just a few days. This went on for months. So she's exhausted and grieving. Mm-hmm. So not just that she has to go through grieving her partner afterwards, but she's now depleted of her own energy. She's psychologically worn down, physically worn down. She could have got through the funeral and the grieving process with more energy, and he didn't care. So she, he came through and said, this is what I did. This is how this went down for her. I didn't even care that she didn't have energy when I died, that all she wanted to do was sleep for weeks. So he comes through to actually say these specific examples, which were vital to her understanding and believing the truth. Yeah, because now I'm thinking that a woman like this or a spouse like this would probably go to a doctor and say, I can't sleep or all I do is sleep because either one, the doctor is going to say, great, we'll just give you this depression uh, medication. Not even asking a question about the level of stress that they've been under, not asking Hmm. about whether or not this person might have marital PTSD, Mm. not asking if this person has had high levels of anxiety for so long because of situations. Mm -hmm. Right? Just take this medication. And some would. And very thankfully, Kelly, her physician knows us and did not. Yay. (laughs) And I can say happily in our small little community of North Bay, uh, Ontario and Canada, that some of the physicians do understand how we can serve. Mm -hmm. And referred her to us and refused to give her medication and said, I'd like you to go see these people because you're grieving. And I think maybe you need to work through some things. And grieving is normal. Yes. You're supposed to grieve. Yeah. You're not supposed to be fine the second someone dies. Mm -hmm. And and Kelly, it wasn't till about 10 months in, I'd say our 10th session, that she finally got angry. Mm -hmm. It took us several months of, of where her husband would visit in a session and she would always start the sessions with things like, what does he want to say to me? And at the beginning, she was looking for things like, what do I do with these papers? What lawyer do I go to? What accountant do I call? And he would not answer her. He would say, you choose the accountant. You need to trust them. Uh, ask someone who, uh, ask someone. And quite often, as she was going back to see her physician, She'd ask her physician if he had a bookkeeper (laughs) and he would say, yes, I use this company and who's your lawyer. She would ask her physician things and he would, or the receptionist, Mm -hmm. do you know of a good lawyer? And they were the ones that referred her to her professionals. And this is good because I think some people can sit in any psychic's chair and think they won't give me answers or as people say do you always connect to the other side Mm -hmm. and if we're saying your husband won't answer your question it's not because we can't get him it's because the healthiest answer and the most honest answer he can give you is no Mm -hmm. and then what comes of it is that she actually has to 
unisolate herself. Yes. I did just make that up. Um, she has to connect to people in her community to yeah. ask for recommendations. She has to decide who she even trusts to ask uh, who they trust. And I, I really liked it that Derek would point out to her that she had a better relationship with her physician, that she had a better relationship with his secretary and his nurse and that she was asking them questions, and that she found that office supportive. Isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. it, like, and I feel that way about our physician. Oh, I do too. And his staff. Oh, I, can, yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, and, and there might be people in our community saying, come on, come on. Calendar Medical Clinic. <laughs> yes. They're not accepting patients at the moment, <laughs> and they don't care if you name drop. Yes. But they're outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> And, and all of their staff is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's where she goes or not, because he didn't say that. And we wouldn't. No. But anyway, I'm just saying that through the 10-month process and eventually the year, she got tools in those sessions to be able to figure out what socializing looked like. Because we talked about that it could simply mean going to the grocery store and talking to the lady who cashes you out or someone that you're standing with in the aisle. Okay, I'm and, queen. And I'm queen all, of this. All listeners are going, oh, I bet you that Karen showed her her tracker list. I did. <laughs> and that she can break down what she thinks is socializing. Yeah. You know, I go into the gym and I nod my head to a couple of people and I tick off socializing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because that might be the extent to to what I want in that day after having been with clients all day. Um, and, and other days, it's more than that. But we did track. And so she had one full year of tracking. And each month, we would look at it and change the way she was doing the sheet. Cool. And sometimes she would come in and say, I did my homework, but I missed three things. And I'd say, oh, don't tell me. But then it would come through in the session of the channeling, the three that she had missed. And the guides would nail her and say... So no red pens, just psychic telling on you. Yes. And the guides would say, she didn't keep up going to the gym. Um, she got a membership, but she hasn't been. And they were ratting on her. And she'd sit in her chair and she'd just kind of look at me and go, I, I can't believe that dead people are ratting on me. And I said, well, technically, often do. your spirit guides aren't dead people, but <laughs> they're ratting on you too. And I said, but I hope that you feel loved because they care about your physical body. As much as they would say to us, she's been at the gym and she hurt this muscle and allow us to do medical intuitive. Yes. They rat out. Yes. They rat you out for good reasons. That's right. And she got to learn that over the 12 sessions that she could come and count on the guides to hold her accountable. Mm -hmm. And then learn that if she holds herself accountable, that that's a healthier choice than waiting for the guides. So we talked about things like self-regulation and, and self-discipline, routines. Well, this is neat. I want to interrupt you for a second mm -hmm. because I, I had to repeat back what you just said in my head. And you said that the guides were teaching her how to hold herself accountable mm -hmm. instead of waiting to hear from the guides to hold her accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important that some people might have mm. not really comprehended what you just said. Oh, And 
what that actually means is mm-hmm. the guides don't want you to be dependent on them. They want you yeah. to have a relationship with them, but yeah. we're not here to create a repeat business. That's right. Now, some people might say, but didn't she come once a month for a year? Mm-hmm. Yes, because you have to develop some kind of consistency in order to form pardon me, break a habit and form a new one. That's right. But ultimately the goal is not to make you dependent. It's to make you independent. Oh, you've said it so such in such a gorgeous way. Thank you. Um, and, and that is what we went through. I wish I could do so many podcast shows on so many of her sessions for people who maybe have gone through something similar to this. Mm-hmm. And I'll say similar because it could be to different degrees or that someone could resonate with this in a totally different scenario. But the guides utilized every single tool that they could to help her get healthy without creating codependence. Because, as a matter of fact, just the opposite, because she had been so unhealthily codependent with Derek. Mm -hmm. And so they would give her the tools to go out and figure out, and they would even give her terms and say, go research these terms. And she'd come in a month later and go, okay, you told me to research codependence. I've looked it up. This is what I know. And now I can say to you, I'm codependent. And and she would say things so clearly and with such thought. With such process. process. Yeah. And that she, okay, Karen, I understand it. And I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm saying I'm aware of it now. So she was Remember okay. the narcissist who came in and said he looked it up and was like, okay, I'm good. I'm not a narcissist anymore. And you're no. like, fuck off. I would say that. I totally believe that one. Because he looked it up, he thought he was cured. Oh, that's your point? And because he understood he he because he read it and understood oh. conceptually what it meant, he felt he was done with that behavior. Right. Oh my God. Which is just ironically the most That's funny. narcissistic thing. Totally. <laughs> there, good for her. There's humor. I just like that she said, I'm not better, but I know what I'm, yeah. what I'm dealing with. Yes. And that in every single month, she chose to work. Mm-hmm. Every single month. Oh yeah. She would come back and say, I have my sheets. And she would come in with her purse and like... A, um, what do you call that? Binder, clipboard, oh. uh, with all of her sheets on it, and then she'd, fl- and she'd flip back through, you know, licking her tongue and, or her finger, and she'd flip through the sheet and go, okay, oh shit. And sometimes she'd look at it and go, oh damn, I was working on this two months ago and I've I've slipped on that one. <laughs> and she'd go back and look at it and go, well, now why did I let that go? Mm-hmm. And then she'd go, you you tell me. <laughs> why did I let that go? I don't know why I let that, why I stopped doing that one. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go, well, I don't know. Let me ask your guides why you did. And then the guides would come in and say, because she went into depression, because she sabotaged this, because she didn't utilize this tool. Mm -hmm. They would help her. I'm not a therapist. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Thank God I'm not a therapist. Uh, um, I can do the channeling. Mm -hmm. So I can give the exact example or reason or situation or thought that triggered or the loop, you know, Mm -hmm. remember that show we did on looping and how she would go back into a loop and would forget to become aware she was looping. And the guides would go, she just forgot about the show with Sally Winston. Just tell her to go listen to it again. Mm -hmm. And I'd go, oh, 
you need to see, uh, Mayor, you need to go and, and listen to the show with Sally Winston again. And she'd go, what was that one about? I don't know. Well, looping. And she'd go, oh, okay. Write it down and off she'd go. But she did the homework. And and I think it's really good for people to hear. And I'm going to, uh, some, some people are going to want to kick me in the ass for this statement, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. That at 68 years old, she was, she had no belief whatsoever that she was done learning. As a matter of fact, she recognized that she had just woken up and needed to start. Mm -hmm. And so she thought at 68 years old, well, shit, if I'm not dead, then I better get something done. And I think that there are many people that could be 20 and think that they know everything and they're done. I think that's the whole joke about millennials. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're in trouble. But I mean, we've also got the jokes coming out now about OK Boomer, right? Where the, the whole um, baby boomer generation, you know, thinks they know certain things or do things a certain way. And our younger generation goes, OK, Boomer. Right? Oh, I just had a client tell me that. And I didn't know no, what she was. No, it was Karen. It was Karen Barnes. <gasps> oh. Maddie was explaining it to her. <laughs> Yeah. Right. We were painting. And if it's used properly, it's great. It's yes. hilarious. It brings awareness. You know, it yes. doesn't have to be um, a derogatory or a rude thing. Well, knowing Maddie and Karen, it, it would not be. be derogatory. Yeah. They're too kind to each other to yeah. behave that way. So I love that. Mm -hmm. I love it. So good for her. Yes. So I wanted to do one more thing here mm -hmm. and then we'll wrap up today's show. So her spare guides had said to her at the beginning of these sessions, that since her husband passed, listen up, girl. It's time to grow up. November Sips of Sanity, 2019. It's time to learn. Hello. <laughs> I do all the titling and labeling and filing of all these shows. So it's like you say certain words. And it reminds me of which show we did. Oh, this is fabulous. So people are wanting resources. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I should grow the oh, fuck up. Oh, that's so good. Okay, let me continue. That it's time for her to learn. Mm -hmm. Ask and ask again. Yeah. So if, it, and that would speak to the fact of any of the Sips of Sanity series about how to ask a better question. Record. When you go yeah. see your professionals, when you go to your doctor's office, your lawyer's office, the accountant, into the work environment, you're, t you're speaking to somebody about Ben, you're asking your girlfriend for advice, whatever it is, record. Because when you're grieving, your memory isn't what you think it is. Yeah, and I was just saying this to one of my clients who's in a very similar position to Meredith. Um, I'm a big fan of pointing out the elephant in the room. And for me, that elephant is often anxiety, mm. right? But if I can just say, look, I'm anxious about this. Mm -hmm. And because of that, my memory isn't great. Yeah. Do you mind if I record? You're, you're likely not going to put the other party or parties um, into their own feeling of insecurity or yeah. nervousness. Yeah. Because if you're just saying, I'm recording because this is about my nervousness, yeah. they're likely going to want to actually comply so that you can be okay. I remember going through this when I went through my divorce 10 years ago, and I was seeing um, a lawyer named um, Wellard. 
can't remember, Barb. Barb Wellard. And she would simply say to me, this is what I need before our next appointment. And I said to her, could I record that? And she said, um, I actually have a list of it. I will email it to you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to record it. It's prepared. So when by the time you get home, this email will be on your phone or on your device at home and you can drop everything off before our next appointment in one week or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So she had a great follow-up system as a professional where she actually understood that the people, male and female, that were coming to see her as clients were that stressed that they couldn't trust their memories. Mm -hmm. So, Or the jargon. Yes. Sometimes it's just not even about your memory. You're just learning a whole other language in a a law system. Yeah. Or a housing system or whatever. Right. Uh, Accounting. Like I I can think of so many Mm -hmm. uh, life insurance when you're going to see the investors and they're telling you things. Mm -hmm. So she was told, record, write notes, get help care for yourself, which came through in many of the sessions, always checking in, was she caring for herself? Fire Ben. And and I don't really, now that I'm reading the list, I'm laughing at that one a little bit, Mm -hmm. because it's very specific. But it had to do with being able to clean up and walk away and recognize when something was unhealthy, Mm -hmm. and be able to say, Um, you know, and somebody might say, fire him after all those years. Well, then maybe we can reword it and say, give him his package for retirement. It was over 30 years. I wrote fire and it might sound harsh, might just be the way I remember it. But it was to re to, to move away from that relationship respectfully. Mm -hmm. So let's reword fire and say, and severance or end a relationship and give him what he deserves. Because this is not a mean woman. Okay. And the last thing was, she was told constantly, clean it up. And it didn't just mean clean up the files, because he left everything a mess. Mm -hmm. I'm talking their filings, I mean everything. But it was clean it up in the sense of clean up your mind, clean up what you're thinking about this situation. And so that was something that really stuck in her mind was this expression in all of these 12 sessions that just popped in all the time of, um, did you clean it up? And she'd sit there and kind of laugh at me because I didn't realize until we were many sessions in that she was being told the same message repeatedly, but that it had different meanings each time it came in a session. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it meant clean up your house. It your meant mind, clean your relationships. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's great. It, and, and it meant clean up the buildings, like go through the inventory, make sure that it's moving. If things are old and broken, clean it up, get rid of things. Because Derek wasn't doing these things. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Just, just, oh, um, oh and, and that's why I said I picked this as one of our feel good stories for December because there were so many beautiful growth moments. Yeah. It's very empowering. Yes. And she seized on them. And At I, 68. Yes. Which is the whole point and what I really wanted people to hear between Christmas and New Year's, mm-hmm. right before we head into 2020. Good. Where people, or maybe, you know, maybe listen to this often in 2020. Mm-hmm. 
so that if you're like Meredith, where you've dropped the ball and had to go back and re-listen, go back and look at your notes, clean it up, that you are willing to re-listen. Cool. Good. Thank I'm you. Done. That was yeah. a great year. That was a big year for us. Yeah. 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 Can, you know what, Kelly? If I can, like while we're on the show, I want to say congratulations because we went from strictly um, audio recording to presenting ourselves visually for people, which we really worked hard on in terms of thinking this through about what it would mean. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of having to be ready for shows physically, mm-hmm. um, in terms of that there's a difference in the way that you edit this, a massive learning curve on your part mm-hmm. of educating yourself, having professionals come in to help you with that learning curve, like Ed Regan and Eric and Sean, Sean Sasnick. Like there are so many people that stepped forward to help us where we wanted to grow our vision of sharing what we do with people mm. and keep it authentic um, and keep it under our own control so that someone else didn't make it trashy. Mm-hmm. I'll say trashy or unauthentic, another word. Um, and financially that we put roughly $10,000 oh. and more into going from the voice recordings to the video. And so for people who are listening and thinking, oh, that's a lot of money for two two women in a small community (laughs) that are trying to make a living doing this and wanting just to share the stories Mm -hmm. so that other people could make their lives better, Mm -hmm. that you you took a big step. So I, I just wanted to say thank you for doing that. Because without your commitment to doing it, I couldn't have done it. I would have bought the cameras and we wouldn't have had the computer and the devices, right? Well, you know what? It's funny when people ask me, you know, how's your mom? She's like the poster child of happiness is what I say. But then on top of that, Mm. and when they ask me about our work relationship, I always say you're the dreamer. And then it's Mm. my job to figure out how to do it. Yeah, that's just really true. Which is really terrifying. But I'm also really, really thankful. And there was a certain point in the in my and our career where I kept thinking like, how come you're not the creative person? How come you're not the one that's dreaming up different ideas? And it was this like should statement or shame statement. And it was just like, yeah, but isn't that a great partnership that if she's the one that keeps dreaming and you can go do the mouse work of the, you know, that detail, figure out how to put it all together. Eagle mouse. Yeah. Then, then why can't that just be what the partnership is and why, you know, both are so important. Um, and I'm I'm so grateful because I it never dawned on me to have a podcast show, you know. But you wanted this over a decade ago. You did this over a decade ago. I did for um, people with a who, radio station. Yeah, for people googling, uh, googling us. Positive thinking with Karen Sarlo. Yeah, with Kenny. I originally was invited by Clark Marketing to do a radio show because Scott and Cheryl Clark loved what you were doing. Loved what I was doing, trying to help people in our community, and are still very supportive of us. Absolutely, are. Yeah, and they were the ones that invited me and said, "Come, we'll host it. We'll we'll pay for it." They were the ones that planted the seed for me, mm-hmm. really and honestly. And I know that was Cheryl, because Scott <laughs> didn't know me. And Cheryl and I had gone to high school together at Mother St. Bride. So, you know, for the people in our community listening to our show and know some of these stories and these people, when you dream, it it requires such a community to help your dream come true, right? 
and we I really think it's important for us to to acknowledge all of those people that did that for us. Mm-hmm. Now I want to say something. I think you're crazy creative in how you put the shows together for people and Thank the bloopers. Yeah. So I like not everybody sees this because it's on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So for those of you listening to this and you you hear the shows, if you ever choose to go on Patreon and buy a month and watch the podcast. You can actually buy individual posts. There you go. As well, which I just learned. So if they want to go on Patreon and see one show, then they get to see the bloopers and the creative side mm-hmm. that you, you clearly show in putting those together and in putting the shows together for people. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're all done. Okay. So um, the tree is not. <laughs> um, we are recording in November. So you guys are going to need to get used to the Christmas tree behind us way into the new year. Because <laughs> um, we're, we're that far ahead and on top of things. Um, but, but if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Thank you to everyone, no matter where you're listening from. We appreciate the love and support.